honestly, I feel like when you pick amazing actors, mm-hmm. then it really is about protecting them. Right. Like I feel when you have the people and the teams that I've been lucky enough to work with, I'm just sort of like in awe of what they're capable of. And it's a question of like me being as a director and you as a director, like we know that like you, you know, when you have it, you sort of see it and you know, when you have it, that's more directing than it is shaping exactly everything that they do. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Gabriella Cowperthwaite's new drama, Our Friend. The film tells the inspiring true story of Matt and Nicole Teague, whose lives are upended after Nicole is diagnosed with terminal cancer. As Matt's duties become increasingly overwhelming, the couple's best friend makes a huge sacrifice to stay with his friends and lend a hand. In addition to Our Friend, Ms. Cowperthwaite's other directorial credits include the feature film, Megan Levy, and the documentaries City Lacks, An Urban Lacrosse Story, and Blackfish. Ms. Cowperthwaite spoke with fellow director Mariam Keshavars about filming Our Friend in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Um, so nice to speak with you, Gabriella. My name is Miriam Keshavars. I'm a writer-director. I'm here speaking with Gabriella, the incredible director of Our Friend. And I uh, had the pleasure of seeing this film last night, and I think my eyes are still swollen. Um, <laughs> it's such a beautiful tapestry of friendship, grief, and I don't know. There's so many layers to this film. I'm still unpacking it. And I was just really curious. I think we would mention this before we got on. We were talking about, you know, I've never directed horror. And I imagine directing a horror film is probably not as scary as the finished film. How is it to do like this? It's so emotional. Is it emotional, as emotional as the scene seemed every day? Or is there, are you more detached from it when you're actually making the project? That is a great question. I think um, I'm pretty, I'm, I don't have a whole lot of distance um, uh, when the scene finally kicks in. I mean, I think you're, you know, this world, you know, with your beautiful film circumstance. And I mean, you just sort of, I'm sure have, have experienced this side of it. And that is that like, there's such a, it's such a machine making a film. And so you're sort of like putting all the pieces together in your brain. I mean, it's almost like your left brain is, is gearing up to get all the pieces right. And then suddenly you kind of, maybe it's your right brain that kicks in or just sort of your heart and the reason why you connected with the story in the first place kicks in when you're just kind of in the center of the film, you know, and you're in the center of the scene. And so like the moment that part happens and you see those little sort of magical nuances, that part I'm very emotionally attached to. And that part, I don't have a lot of like, like stoic distance from, you know? Um, And then, you know, as soon as it, wraps you know that or that that moment that scene kind of cuts then something else kicks in and you're just like okay I need this and this you know and you kind of get back into sort of like more of a work mode in some way mm-hmm. but um but yeah it's like it's like there is the core of the scene once I'm in that place um it's really emotional it's really emotional I'm feeling everything that they're feeling I'm feeling the script I'm feeling the real story behind it um and uh and then you kind of like pop back out and you're just like okay okay you know like you must have been a therapist for the actors I mean it just it seems so particularly that the kids I was very taken by their performances that it was so they were so present and there's such small uh, nuances in how 
right? They go from being childlike and kind of being an adult and their grief and joy. And how did right. you manage that? How did you manage those moments? Because it's so complicated. I found that they, I know, of course, there's a lot of fantastic actors and Jason's really great in the film, but I really found that the kids I was moved by um, just incredible nuance in their performance. How did you, how did you uh, get that out of them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, honestly, I think I, I always love this question and I love it that the idea that like we as directors like have so much to do with drawing that out. I mean, a lot of it's getting out of their way, but honestly, I feel like when you pick amazing actors, then it really is about protecting them kind of, you know, in those moments and um, making sure that they have exactly what they need to be able to channel that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so rather than sort of like puppet mastering or sort of driving it in any sort of way, like I feel it's just sort of like really kind of listening, I guess, like watching exactly what they're doing um, and watching guys, I guess, enabling you know, performances rather than like driving performances or directing performances. Right. Like I feel when you have the people and the teams that I've been lucky enough to work with, I'm just sort of like in awe of what they're capable of. And it's a question of like me being as a director and you as a director, like we know that like you, you know, when you have it, you sort of see it and you know, when you have it, that's more directing than it is shaping exactly everything that they do. Um, right. So that's more with more seasoned actors with, with like with, I imagine, are these children very trained and how did you choose these particular actors? I mean, it must be, it must have been a, sort of a different process or right? even the audition process is a little bit different. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, yes. Yeah, so um, they happen to be very like seasoned child actors. So oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and they have done stuff, but it's interesting. They've done stuff in like different spaces, kind of like in a, um, um, you know, procedural TV space or something where it's sort of like hitting your mark and finding your light and, you know, and you could see that they're technically they're, they're perfect. Um, and so my job with them specifically was to just strip all that away mm-hmm. and sort of like, you know, like, don't worry about anywhere. Don't worry about where you're standing. Don't worry, you know, and just like letting them be. And that was, it was weird. It was sort of like unpacking everything that they had done, you know, and learned. This about other directors, we almost say like, is it better to cast kids that have very little experience just so you don't, so much of your work often with children is to strip away some of those, those layers of what they've learned. That's right. That's right. And I think it was a lot of it was just sort of, you know, I mean, the, the technical stuff helps so much, right. The sort of like understanding a scene, understanding what to do, staying focused, all that stuff is just such a gift to have kids who have been through that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, you know, like you, then when it, the moment comes, it's, it's the idea of like, okay, now guess what? You're not going to act. <laughs> like, you know I mean? You're not going to act, like, you know? And that's the interesting, conver- obviously you had that conversation with adult actors and some of them are like, wait, what, what? Some of them are like, oh, thank gosh, I'm so glad this is this kind of like, this is this kind of set and this kind of movie. And with kids, it is a little deer in the headlights. Like, wait, what? you don't care about my training? I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, it's me. It's, you know, but um, both of them fell into that. And it was a matter of just like feeling out how they fell into it. Like how that one particular person needed to hear certain things. Um, like some people just needed to hit the mark. Like, just tell me where to be. And once I, I'm there, I can do exactly, I can be as natural as, as I can, but I, I can't just roam about the room. I don't know how to do that. Right. So, right. Yeah. There was such an intimacy between those actors. Was there a lot of rehearsal time? Did you like lock them in a house and say, <laughs> we had about, we had a day 
and um, and I wanted them to all really? to know each other. only just a day. We had a day. I know. Wow. Day. That's incredible. <laughs> that's right. That's that's uh, what we're looking at um, with these size budgets and stuff. It was like one day in a in the house, like the house in question. So I wanted them to feel the room and like where would you sit and all that stuff and each have a bond. You know, I wanted the girls to be with Jason. <laughs> And that was just funny just because, you know, like Casey has kids. So he's really gets the whole thing. Dakota is just sort of a natural mother. Jason is this big goofball. Like he's so sweet and, um, and so smart and such an empathic person. Um, but you kind of just imagine like, you know, he would just like automatically be like, you know, hanging out with the kids and being a kid. But like, there's moments where he was just like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) And then they all sort of like got to know each other. And I think they, they all went to ice cream down the street or something. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of comfort um, before, but, um, but no, I mean, I just, I feel like I have these pros who just knew. Do they know each other, the actors, the, the leads? Uh, Dakota and Jason had worked together before. They were very familiar with each other's work, very sort of in awe of each other's work, but um, only Jason and Dakota had ever worked together in, in like comedy you know, in like bigger comedy. So like you see in their scenes, their, their chemistry kind of pops because they know what each other's. I guess it's that fine line between comedy and tragedy. There's a lot of comedic moments like in the sections when, uh, in the earlier on sections of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stuff. I thought it was fun. We needed that. Yeah. We bro needed- bonding. <laughs> we needed a little robot. Yeah. We just like a little, a little lightness to just sort of, you know, beat you up. But since I didn't beat you up, uh, let's become friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll just, okay, I'll come around. Well, yeah, we'll be friends eventually. Um, I'm a huge fan of Joe Anderson who shot your film. Um, can you, he's wonderful. Um, it's yeah. such an incredible balance. Your film is both incredibly intimate and there's these beautiful scenes that mostly take place in a single shot. Um, and even the opening shot, you, you don't really get to see Dakota. It's, you know, right. squarely on Casey. Um, can you talk a little bit about that collaboration, how you balance intimacy and then these beautiful aerial shots and, and yeah. bigger shots? Um, so um, the aerials I kind of wanted to do once I saw the location and I sort of wanted to open in a very specific way where you're with three kids in the beginning with, at a beach and like, you know, the metaphor is there if you choose to care or whatever, but and it's, it's really just your, 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 there's micro organized organisms that are coming from the earth. And like, you're sort of like, you know, they're, they've got nets and they're pulling up stuff. And the idea that you start so little, you know, and then there's these kids and then you grow and you get bigger and more insight until we're gone. You know, to me, it was a very specific opening that I had always wanted to do. Um, and then the, the pull, the slow pullback, you know, on Casey, that was Joe. And, um, it's one of my favorite collaborations I think ever. Um, it was just a uh, drinking what you're pouring. You know what I mean? Like the honest, like the moment we would just sort of whisper on set, like what we wanted to do. And I would just sort of say that like a tiny snippet of a sentence. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, almost like he was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's a, it wasn't Christine that I watched of his, it wasn't old man and a gun that I watched of his. It was both. It was the idea that he could do one and then do the other. And that he could just understand that stylistically, you just can ask for something and want to do something in a film. And he can just bring that sort of stylistic, you know, artistry and his creativity to it without it being a shtick. You know what I mean? Without it being like, oh, this is what Joe does. This is the type of film that Joe does, you know? 
Um, so curious, like it's like withholding the information earlier. Right? Yeah. The opening is just, it really, yeah. it makes you so invested in the frame and so invested in a different way. You know, you're, you're, we're so used to seeing images in a certain, unfold in a certain way. And this doesn't allow you to go that direction. Yeah. It's, it's forcing right. you to look. It's forcing you to look where the director wants you to look. You know, it's forcing you right. to be with him. Right. You're kind of, yeah. You're not roaming around for sure. And I think, honestly, I think if you have, you're blessed to have an actor who can command that and who could do a long take, like, like use it. You know what I mean? It was just like, we got the guy who knows exactly how to just be, you know? And I think because of that, that sort of informed that choice. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just not a lot that you need to cut away from when you're working with some of these people and, and Casey in particular. Um, so uh, yeah, so that kind of, you know, let, guided that those choices. And that, that thematic, like the three kids at the beginning and then there are three adults at the right. end, at the beach, like right. one dying. Um, right. Did you already, so was that all planned out? The, uh, um, I, I'm, I was familiar with the article. So was, was the um, non-linear aspect of the film always, um, conceived in that way or is that something that came about through editing no it was in the it was in the script that way and um I think um Brad Inglesby who had um written it I think he had actually played with try like the chronological sort of you know just a very mm -hmm. chronological narrative and um and it was really difficult like to get through this film and a lot of it has to do with because because you know it's coming right. um but also like there's something just so strange. And I sort of discovered this while I was, we were jumping around in time, making the film. I was like, gosh, you know, when you think about like your life or your days, it's not sort of like one day falls after another. And like this day, you know, the meaning of this day has so much to do with what happened yesterday and what will happen tomorrow. Like, it's not at all like that. Like sometimes you just are where you are. You're not thinking of tomorrow. You're living in a world of memory you know, from something 10 years ago, you know? And, and it's then, nice like, the way the joy comes in, like at even these heavy moments, you're able to go back and you're like, okay, there's a whole history. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Experience the joy. It doesn't feel as heavy somehow because if you right. get to experience their life. As right, a, and you have little, right, you have little discoveries of why they meant, these people meant so much to Dane, why he would give it, you know, but like, it's sort of like little mysteries that get like kind of discovered along the way. Um, just so that we're not sort of like marching into the vortex of death, you know, right, right. The darkness. It's just sort of like, we know, we know, we get it. We know that happens and life happens that way. But it was um, I just, you know, I enjoyed reading the script when I was surprised. And, and you you're know, surprised, even the affair, for instance, you're like, oh, you assume right. Right. we made all these assumptions. Right. And it's like, That's oh, right. it's not it's not what we think, which I think That's that was right. a twist. And uh, yeah. It didn't, exactly. yeah, the carte blanche, like, oh, okay, we're all human, we all make mistakes. Right, and that we're sort of like, exactly. I mean, that was that was another side of it that was like, I think just kind of like weirdly human and refreshing. And so like, there's something about humanizing Nicole in that way, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, the article actually didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what Nicole thought about her own death, you know, and how Nicole felt about her own life. And so, that was a big departure, you know, from that 
to the script. And then I wrote a couple scenes just sort of for Nicole, just being a mother, as you would understand, like what it would be like for us to- I know those letters, I was like, oh my God, I better start writing some letters just in case. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) That's no, exactly. Well, and then of course that was in the script and that was Nicole. I actually really did see those letters. Um, I was like, I can't even touch these. These are just like gold, you know, but the real Matt Teague, you know, said here, here are some of them. And I was just like, I can't even, uh, um, but the idea of like telling your little girls that, I mean, I have two boys, they're 14. And I always think like, I would tell them like, okay, well, but I'm here, you know, but if you can't see me, you know, I'm still here. Right. Like Particularly with the work that we do. I know we're gone for four months, but seriously, I'm still here. Right. That's right. Exactly. Like I'm always, always with you and like, close your eyes. I'm there. Right. Like I close my eyes, you're here. So that feeling of um, love and connection being kind of eternal and, you know, this just being our weird physical bodies that we're in for now. And um, that kind of stuff was the stuff I would say. So like, I was like, can I do this little scene here with Nicole and Brad was like, have at it, you know? Um, and, uh, and it was just so, but that was, you know, whatever, little, little snippets of that were things that, that um, uh, I thought could kind of inform Nicole's character a tiny bit more. Everything else was really, was just Brad, you know, working on this thing, meeting with Matt every day for like better part of a year. I really just understand him, understand Nicole, understand Dane. Um, yeah, it seemed like such an incredible research and collaboration between Matt and and um, Brad. So was yeah. Matt on set, or was he? Or and I saw was Brad and Matt both on set um, while you were shooting. Brad came for a couple of weeks, um, and uh, but Matt um, he was on it. Brad was on another movie as well, but he came for a couple of weeks, and Matt Matt was there a lot. Um, we filmed in Fairhope, which is Matt's hometown, um, and uh, yeah. And it was like, and I love Matt, you know, the reason I got the film is because of, you know, partly because of Matt and he is, a, I consider him a friend, but I would tell, like tell the producers would tell Matt, like, I know, I don't, I don't want you coming to set. Like, this is, yeah. I just have to be because honest. It's because it's like, obviously it's based on a true story, but it, it has its own life, right? It has its own rhythm and right. it, you're not replicating it and it's not a documentary. Right. Right. So it's well, supposed to be truthful by being a little bit further from what actually happened. It's a good, it's a I think good maybe story. that's, that's so part of it intellectually, but like, honestly, the experience was just that Matt would have been fine. Matt was like fine with me kind of taking the reins and he's a creative. He understands we kind of, you know, um, do our own thing. But I think a lot of it was just him being there. I always tell him that it was like having your dad come to your prom yeah (laughs) I mean it's just the weirdest thing I'm always like like your dad's there like I want you to have fun I'm not staring at you dance dance with a boy like do whatever um but like and I love you I want you to be happy I'm just I'm here serving punch you know whatever but I was like I cannot like that was like I know you're there I know you support me and I know you believe in this and was that hard for you to ask for or oh well I just do I mean you know what we just get your personality changes when you become like you were a director and you've got the film. You're just like, you just say it. You're like, this is, I, I have to protect this film. I have to be honest. And so like all these things, these niceties that I would have reserved for before, you know, right. and been just like, of course you can come to like, it all goes out the window. As soon as I actually start working, I'm like, this is exactly what I need to be able to make this film 
and he didn't care. I mean, he still came and he was just like stayed out of the way. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> he's, like watching the monitors and watching every little thing. I don't know. Um, right. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, I know you're working on a new film um, right now. So yeah. I was yeah. ironic because, you know, your film deals so much with death and obviously right now thinking about releasing a film like this, considering 500,000 people, Americans have died and millions have died around the world. Yeah. Um, and just sort of the everydayness of death, right. um, yeah. uh, yeah. mechanics of, of dying. Um, how do you feel like talking about the film in this, obviously you made it during a very different time. It sort, sort of resonates so deeply. Yeah. Going on. It does, doesn't it? It's so, it's so strange how much closer our everyday relationship to death has become um, and how it was such, it's just, it's unreal. It's almost like we'll get to a point where we look back on this, you know, mm-hmm. like we almost can't quite reflect right now on what this all means and like how the world has changed for us. But yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, c- cancer was a thing people were experiencing every day and um, in their own lives and everybody knows somebody now, you know, in these our generation, you know, our parents' generation, you barely knew anybody, mm-hmm. you know, who was going through this disease. Um, and now with us, it's, it's multiple people, if it's not you, you yourself. And so it's, um, to me, it was all already ubiquitous, this specific way of, of saying goodbye to the world. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, and kind of my hope was that it would just sort of bring solace to everybody in this time, you know, where people are losing people and, you know, um, not being and able I was just thinking, what a beautiful, you know, being able to hold your wife or take her to the beach, and or when Cherry Jones so, shows up, you're just like, by the way, I love that casting. I just she came, and I just felt like hope right away. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh God, she's That's here. so funny. Thank God, There's she, made it. she just bring, like she just walks in, and you're that just was like brilliant. Like, that really was brilliant casting because she really is like that. That you know, my dad. We had hospice for my dad before he passed, and oh, stuff. And there are all those people that just bring with them this sort of I don't know they you feel so calm around them you feel like hope yeah yeah you can rest for a moment you know for a moment that's that's it in some in some ways like yes like the beach scene sort of reminds you to it it lifts you a little bit like wow the last thing Nicole saw was just pure beauty and pure love you know and like but there is something about these sort of hospice workers and these people who were like some of the people who were thankful, you know, to the film were those people, these sort of unsung heroes who like, it's not only just what they do on the day-to-day basis, it's their understanding of death, you know? And I thought how many people had died like now, and there was just that one nurse that was around, you know, you heard about the nurse holding them and they would just have the phone call, you know, it's just like these, really thought it just reflected so much on these, these heroes that we have now. That's right. And sort of like this, this line, and it's so, it's so buried in the film and I kind of wanted it buried just cause it's, a, it's, it's almost too powerful in some ways, but like, um, Casey asks, you know, Casey playing Matt T, you know, asks like, she sort of says like, go to sleep, like, just go to sleep, you know, like you need, you're exhausted. You're yeah. no use to anyone, including yourself, like just go to sleep and I've got this, you know, like I will take care of your wife while you're there. And he was like, but what if she, passes during that time and faith played by cherry jones says um that'd be beautiful wouldn't that be wouldn't that be beautiful you know and it just like gave me shivers to like think that like you know 
uh, just all the work we do in loving each other is enough. Right. You know, and also just different cultures have, we also have different, you know, philosophies around death. You know, we, right. Western society, we're so, we're avoiding death at every moment. We don't want to know right. it's there. It doesn't become part of our language incorporated into our everyday. There's not an yeah. death. There's like a complete, like, we're, just, we're not going to die ever. Like, no, we will die. Right. That's the one thing my grandfather used to always say, you can be sure of. <laughs> yes. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> bet on this one thing yeah, this exactly. eventuality that's right no we don't deal as a culture we don't deal with it and uh deal with it poorly that's why, and that's why it. matt was i read that that's why matt was so interested in you know writing an article like this originally that he was frustrated by sort of the sanitization of death and, and mm-hmm. really like how we don't as a culture truly deal with it yeah it absolutely yeah and that you know it was um I think he wanted to also like shed light on the fact that it was really, really, really hard for him. You know, like it was just sort of like, it was the, she's the patient in question. And so like, in you know, your, your empathy is like, I wish you weren't dying and I wish she was okay. And I, you know, her girls had more of their mom and all that. And yet Matt was sort of like, you know, I'm suffering you know, I'm suffering. That's and not I'm, everyone around them can deal with it. There's those great scenes with the friends who just, they can't be there, you know, I'm there for a second. And yeah, it's too much to deal with. It's so overwhelming. You have a sense that they're, they're like down the street, but they just can't get themselves to come in the door. Right. Right. It reminds you of your own mortality. You've got your own kids. You're just like, oh my gosh, that is just a really incredibly dark place right now. That house with this woman who's doing, you know, and it's like so tragic. You just think to yourself, like, I will never be that person. You know what I mean? You're just like, I will always, you know, continue to bring the food and continue to see that person. Cause like, it's you know, uh, no? something else. Even like when my grandmother was dying, you just don't want to see this other version of this person you love. So it's, it's, that's right. It reminds you of your mortality. Yeah. Right. And all that's exactly. It's just, it gets, you, you start marching closer to it and it gets harder and harder. Yeah. Um, what made Dane special. So did you have to go to therapy after all this? Or? <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's so intense. I was like, so, I was crying so much. I was like, oh my God. Right. Like, I think you process, every, I think you literally, filmmaking, you do like process so many emotions. Like, I think we forget that we process so much in our own lives. And there's scenes that I would, you know, there was the, the scene where Matt tells the girls, you know, about what's going to happen to Nicole and, um, and uh, like, you know, the next day I'm calling my kids like a little too much. You know what I mean? Like that week, just sort of like a little too clingy. So then what did you do? And then, okay, so we're going to talk in five minutes, right? Like it was just a little. And so it's like, we are having our own little emotional revolutions, I think, while we're making a film as, as well. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Therapy. I don't know. Maybe edit is therapy or something. Exactly. So it's kind of- uh, interesting. You're doing something like I we were talking earlier that you're working on something very different. I was saying how I've done very, you know, sensual films and very political and like tear jerkers. And now I'm doing a comedy just because emotionally I wanted to do something different. It's right. like, you want to shake it. So uh, how are, what are you working on and, and how did that come about? Um, yes, no, I so agree. You have to sort of shift everything. Um, I'm working on a, um, it's a, it's a sort of space station thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's just, you know, thriller, um, not quite into the horror category, um, but like, uh, you know, actiony and like, it's just all these things and like tools that I haven't ever had a chance to use. 
and I didn't really even know how to do. And it's been kind of a gift. I mean, it is a very character driven thriller. So I think that's why I was, you know, brought to this and why I got the opportunity. Um, but, you know, I am this sort of popcorn chomp and moviegoer, aside from like loving like foreign films and dramas and serious indies and all this stuff. Like I love broad comedy, like I love horror, like all these things. It was just like maybe telling myself, like I, I really actually have always wanted to do something like this or have always wanted to have somebody's trust, you know? And see if I could do it a little differently or something. So um, it's been a blast. It's been hard uh, shooting during COVID. We're on a soundstage, you know, and we've got masks. You have some very cool photos of like the helmets and the and the masks. Right? Yeah. It's so, <laughs> that's a great set of photos where it's like, I think those are my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, right. Like, yeah. No, that's my ID. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> oh my gosh. The EPK, like the press kid is just going to, like, I don't know what they're going to have to like work with exactly. it's dark, cold, you know, soundstage. Um, yeah, no, it's totally different. And you just got, you got your mask on. Like, so it's um, a, a strange experience. How do you approach that? Because like you've done Blackfish, you've done Megan Levy, you've done this story. So this is, those are three more fact-based right. films that you obviously went beyond the facts to create this, these beautiful tapestries. Did you do any kind of research on real people that would be like in a, like a space station? Did you try to ground it for yourself in some real, like, yeah. Being, yeah. I mean, was that part of your process or did you no, just- No, right, right. No, um, I would say not in terms of specific characters. I did um, read like Scott Kelly's book, Endurance, um, who is the Senator Mark Kelly's brother. They're twins, they're both astronauts. And so I read that, like just devoured it. Um, and I didn't, I just didn't know anything about the space station. Like, like the questions that I would have asked would have been so embarrassing that I would not even tell you like right now what they were <laughs> how, like just like how little I knew about what goes on there and like why it's there and what how you live up there you know and and together and what other countries kind of like you encounter um when you're up there you know the Russians and the Americans like really just sort of get along very well up there and that's part of the whole geopolitical reason that it even exists and so um those are the types of things that I just was like oh my gosh, like, how have I not learned about this awesome thing? You know, sure. <laughs> like, there's been there. to be a strange proliferation of, of space films in the last 10 years. Why do you, did, I mean, right? It seems- It's so many. And I was like- But oh. why, why do you think it is now? I wonder, and they're, they're all different and they're all compelling and just wondering what, yeah. what happened that it's- Oh, I think it's two, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's two things. I think it's, um, uh, you know, um, impacting our earth in such a negative way environmentally that I think we hear that and we feel that and we know about just methane and you know carbons and like what we're what we've been doing Mm -hmm. um I think there's a bit of that in the back uh, on this side you know the other side is the promise of this Mars exploration right you know so like those two sort of coming together of like okay it gets really bad here you know (laughs) yeah like there's this other thing um, and so much of the space station really does have to do with like, how can we exist in zero gravity in order to be able to travel to a place like that mm-hmm. for long enough? Like what, I mean, that's the tests that they do on people. I mean, they come back and they want to know the twins, Mark and Scott Kelly, identical twins, you know, like they really want to do studies on these bodies and what happens to them up there. So like, 
it just will inform space travel. So yeah, there there's been a proliferation of a lot of them. This one is a bit more drama character ish, um, not as coolly sci-fi stuff. Did you see Claire Denise? Did you research Claire Denise? Did you see High Life? Oh yeah, no, she's a freaking master. I saw that. I loved that. I loved. Um, really Which is so outside the box for her too, right? You think? What's that? It was also so outside the box for Claire Denise. Right. Very so right. Like, no, why? like that's so cool. Grounded. <laughs> like the ultimate outdoor is doing. Right. Like, what are no. we doing? Yeah. Like we're playing in that field. All of a sudden, it's so cool. Um, Ad Astra is really beautiful. Moon is amazing. Um, like, yeah, there's just some stuff up there that you, and, and just really like the Martian is so very real and lovely and character driven as well. And there's, there's things, there's like old horror movies, you know, that you just think about sort of like six people caught together, you know, these people, to, there's all these things that kind of inform my excitement about it. Um, uh, that, yeah, I was just like, oh God, you know, give me a chance. Yeah. It sounds so much fun. Like it's impressive to be able to move. I mean, how do you feel like, I know from a lot of friends who are directors, they often get pigeonholed, like particularly if they're, I know you you didn't write these material, this material often because they don't write, they get pigeonholed. They're only sent certain types of scripts. I mean, I did a comedy and I had to write it myself. Like that's, I, that's how I knew I would get a comedy. Um, But how how did you, how was it to navigate that? That's I'm impressed by it myself. Yeah. Definitely, I felt like after Blackfish, in terms of the feature world, um, there's no mistaking that's why I got Megan Levy. You know what I mean? It's a canine unit in, in Iraq. I had also done these, you know, Iraq um, uh, Iraq war documentaries that were sort of like small squad things that I did um, years before for like a network TV. So there was sort of like that was this perfect, you know, combination of those two things. But I was sent probably every animal script you right. could ever imagine. <laughs> it's, funny, it's like they send you the script that's almost exactly the movie you made. You're yeah, like, exactly. A tiny twist. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you just, I mean, like, look, I'm just so grateful. I'm getting stuff. Like there's times where I'm like, what if, like, where, how, how people are sending me stuff to make. This is amazing. I would have never imagined that, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, whatever, that like, I would just have an opportunity to do a thing, you know, do the thing I love, but it's been written by somebody else who did in my mind, really the heavy lifting. Cause I actually think the writing is 100% the heavy lifting. Um, so it's super grateful for it, but I do like love, love seeing things that aren't meant for me. Like there's a couple of times where your agent will accidentally send you something be like, Oh, I forget, but it's a similar name, but, and I'll be like, what? This is awesome. This crazy film. And she's like, Oh no, no, that wasn't meant for you. You know? And so, and so how do you pitch? How do you prepare to get, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's hesitation when you're going in for something so different. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is, but I guess there's a reason there's a few things that if you know that you do them and that they're your thing and that you bring that thing to the, to the genre or to the thing that you're pitching, like, and if it's sort of draw, you know, character-based drama, or it's just like relations or natural realism or whatever, then that is kind of maybe your stamp that mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I'll never do a very specific kind of film. Like I look at Promising Young Woman and I love that film so much and I love it because it's never something I would do. I wouldn't make those choices visually and stuff like that, which is why I love it. You know what I mean? Because it's just so like fun, that film. Oh my, God, it's just, it's just, really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. So crazy and amazing. And like, 
you know, and like that one scene on the bed, I was like, no, please. I, I had no idea where it was going from there. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, well, I probably, okay. I probably know what's going to happen. So like, we'll just, you know, watch the rest of this. It's really good. It's been amazing. What a ride. And then it has this twist and you're like, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is like this brilliant piece of art. So, um, yeah. So it's so funny I how you can enjoy things that it's I love theater so much I go to the theater yeah. all the, when, when we had theater imagine that but I go to the theater all the time because I know it's something I can never do I can never direct the, it's such a different medium but I just enjoy it so intensely maybe yes. because I don't analyze it in the same way right no yeah. that's that's exactly how I feel I get so excited by people doing things that I'm not sure I could do right. like show me something completely new you know um and make it unpredictable you know so what's the scariest thing you'd like to tackle in the future? Gosh. Do you approach things that you're scared of? Is, or you're like, okay, let me. Yeah. I mean, probably like maybe straight. Um, comedy is so funny. I'm so, I love it so much. I love it so much. And I have so many friends who do it so well. I don't think I would tackle it. I don't ever want to know how the sausage is made. I want to <laughs> just like be just entertained by that. And um and also, like, also, I don't think I'd be very professional. Like, I, I laugh so much. Like, I have this really immature humor. And, like, I just don't think I would last through some of the takes, some of the stuff that I watch, you know? I'm like, I can't. There's no way I would be able to just, like, have a straight face as a director and not, like, just fall in love with the process. And, like, we're having so much fun here. Like, I might be really unprofessional and, like, not get the freaking thing, not get the take, you know? I don't know. I just, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. I would love whatever. I would love the opportunity. Uh, but, um, but it's not something I'm chasing again, because I just think it's just done so perfectly by other people. Um, and I just want to be entertained. Right. And how about you've done some series directing, right? Um, in the documentary space I have, but I haven't done uh, network series or, or cable or anything like that yet. I would love to do that. I would love to do like one, you know, one or two episodes of some, one of the shows that I'm like obsessed with. Um, what's your yeah. obsession? What would you, what would be your, gosh, I mean, if you would have, like, I, if I had been lucky enough to do something like a game of Thrones, that would have made my life. If I could have been lucky enough to do an episode of, I may destroy you. I thought the series was such perfection that I'm, I don't want to change anything about it, but I would have loved to do one of those. Um, and then I love like dead to me. And then I love like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so (laughs) good and just perfect tonally. Um, uh, there's just, there's so much out there that I would have been like, Oh my, or yeah, of course, everybody's like the wire Sopranos, of course the biggies. (laughs) But, um, but then again, they're just, they live in a perfect little space in my head that I'm like, you know, you don't want to touch it. <laughs> Let's don't want to touch it. it. Yeah, six feet under. That would have made my life. Don't want to touch it. Too perfect. And would you ever? Would you ever think about um, going back into the documentary space? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm never. I'm doing it now. You know, I'm always working on a documentary, no matter what. Um, so I've got two kind of going right now um, that are. Thank goodness, um, I've got amazing sort of producers and people who are like keeping those, those, um, the research and the development alive on them while I do, while I do this. Um, but it's sort of like a space I can't really leave, you know, ever. You find that they're very, I, I did the documentary also before I went to doing narrative work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you find that they inform each other for you? Um, I think that the documentaries are 
I mean, I, when I started features, I had bigger toys to play with. I had, um, there was, there was like an adrenaline that comes with it. You know, it's shiny and fancy and bigger and people laugh super hard at your jokes, which I was like, Whoa, you know, like, you know what I mean? There's so strange, like, you know, you're, there's an instant hierarchy and it's very clear, right. um, which is, which was so strange because in documentary, you're just sort of all I'm carrying camera bags, you know? It's such a different space. Even when you go to a documentary film festival, it's such a different experience, right? I mean, yes. I, I did a doc. I went to like um, ITFA and I went to, what was it, like full frame. And just, it's such a different interaction yes. with the other directors than you do in like film spaces. I feel like you've all been through this. Like, I mean, the conversations you have with other directors, documentary directors are like, like, like how many passports do you have? And like, were you, you know what I mean? Like, did, how did you hide that one passport? And like, um, did they try to sue you? Um, what did you, you know, like, did you have security guards during that? Like, there's so, so many intense real world things because you're really doing a real thing right. in that way. Um, and then I, so like, so when I went into the feature world, it was just like the highs were so high and it was just like this magic, you know, like really magical. Um, but there was sometimes there are, there are definitely moments where you're like, there, you know, like you are, there is a script and everybody knows what they expect from that script, what they expect for that scene to be and how it should play out. So there's something about that, that sometimes as much magic as you're, you feel like you're creating there are moments where it's like, it's predetermined kind right. of, whereas in documentary, it's just sort of like, it's more surprising. Gosh, I can't believe that happened today. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Probably like coming from the documentary space, you're like, well, I can handle anything because you literally oh, right. have to handle so much on the fly. And you understand <laughs> like what an editor does because you've edited. You've understand what a shooter does because you've shot. Like you really have done every part, and you're not saying you're not calling. I've never tapes out of countries. You know how it is. It's like you know that's what it is. And you, know, you don't call yourself a writer or an editor or or a camera person because you have too much respect for those fields, but you have done all those things on documentary because you don't have enough money to spend on people doing them. Right. So um, it's just a great, I always tell people it's the best way to learn film. Like, that's just true. like, go do it. Just go grab a camera, you know, that's and tell so, a story. That's so exciting. I mean, it's such great words for folks out there. And I think it's yeah. a great place to leave the conversation. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And again, thank you for sharing the film. It was so beautiful. Uh, my eyes are recovered. Luckily. Um, <laughs> and so and so is yours, by the way. So it's PC circumstance, everybody. Beautiful, beautiful Thank film. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing your your new one. Um, so be well and uh, look forward for those photos with the masks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Take Have a good night. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q and A. If you'd like to hear more, the director's cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Josh Greenbaum, Nisha Ganatra, and Heidi Ewing. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. 